I want to ask you to turn with me over to 2 Samuel, a message that you have not heard me preach since I looked it up since 2009. 2009. Some of you have been with me that long as an associate pastor, and I preached a message years ago about a man named Mephibosheth. A man named Mephibosheth. Again, if you're looking for names for children, you're expecting. I think Mephibosheth is great. I don't think it's used enough. Hmm. Let me tell you where this message came from. It was inserted into the series that I, that I had in my heart after a conversation with our elders this past Sunday. We were praying and talking together, and this thing sort of just started to settle in my heart. And, and it made me sad in some ways that there are people who are followers of Christ, and yet they don't know their importance to the family of God. They don't know their place their importance in the family of God. I want to just ask each of you this morning to ponder that in your own heart and mind. Do you understand how important you are to the family of God? Do you understand that you have a a place in the family and that you're important there? And so today, I want to invite you to the table. I want to invite you to the table of God, to to the family of God, and I want to Uh, show that to you in Scripture so that you know that this is not an invitation from Kevin Taylor. This is an invitation from the King of Kings. The the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, is saying to you, I need you to know that you have a place. And don't you ever forget it. (laughs) So if you're in 2 Samuel, beginning in verse 9, I'm going to read through to verse 5. We'll stop and talk, and then I'll read some more. Then David's, uh, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And then David said, Is there yet anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David and the the king and said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said to him, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. And so the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of... Oh, I'm going to mess this word up. I think it's Makar. I looked that up too, Baron. I spoke on Zerubbabel last week. These names are really giving me problems, okay? Makar, I think is his name, the son of Emil in Lodabar. And then the king David sent, and he brought him from the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, the king here is King David, the great king of all of Israel, who has taken over the throne from Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Now, Saul was jealous of David, and so he chased him and tried to kill him. And yet David refuses when given the opportunity to kill Saul because he knew that Saul was God's anointed. 
And David had a covenant relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan, the best of friends. And they had this covenant relationship. And so what happens is Saul and Jonathan and the other sons of of Saul, the armies of Saul, they are fighting against the Philistines and the Philistines kill Saul and they kill Jonathan. Jonathan has a five-year-old son. His name is Mephibosheth. If you're a five-year-old son of a king who has just been killed and his people have been defeated, you know what is going to happen next. The Philistines are going to search the land for anyone who is a descendant of Saul to make sure no one has title to the throne. They're going to hunt them down like a dog and kill them. And the servant of this five-year-old boy, she knows that. And so she grabs him up and you say, now, Kevin, how do you know that? You didn't just read that in the story. Well, it's over in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. And it says that this this servant, this lady, she grabs up this five-year-old child and she is in haste going to run and try to hide him so that she can preserve his life. And she drops him. And she drops him and she doesn't cripple one leg, she cripples both of his feet. And he's considered lame from that point on. And so she takes him into hiding. The rest of the story goes on that David is eventually pronounced king of Israel and he fights the Philistines off. And at that point you would think, okay, well Mephibosheth is probably in a good position now. But that's not how things work. Because if you're Mephibosheth, you also know it doesn't matter if you're part of the Philistines or you're part of the Israelites. Being king is a dirty business. And it wouldn't have surprised Mephibosheth at all if David had come and tried to search out all of the sons and the grandsons of Saul to make sure that they're all dead. After all, Saul tried to kill David, right? It wouldn't have surprised Mephibosheth at all if he's he's coming for me. He's king now. He'll get back against me all that my grandfather did. And so he's hiding out in this place called Lodabar. That's where we find him. And as I read those scriptures, I hear something inside of me saying, Kevin, do you know anyone that I can show favor to? Can you just find anyone? Can you hear the heart of King David when he is calling out to his servant Ziba? He says, Ziba, do you know just anyone? Can you search the land and can you find someone that I can pour out love and kindness on them? Anyone who is a a grandson, a descendant of Saul, a a son of my my friend Jonathan, I want to just pour out love and kindness on them. Mm. Baron, do you know anybody that needs the love and kindness of God? Yeah. Mary, do you know anybody? Can you hear the... The heart of God back there, Natalie, Chris, do you, do you know anyone that you'd hear God calling out to them saying, I, I'm looking, I'm looking over all the earth and I'm just trying to find somebody to bless. And I'm wondering, Kathy, if you know somebody. <laughs> Allison, I'm wondering if you work with someone that I might just pour out my love and kindness on them. Something begins to sort of stir up in my heart that makes my my body feel light. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Hmm. 
And so then this servant, the servant Ziba, he says, I, I know someone. Do you know anyone? Maybe it's a cousin. A cousin that, that needs to know the Lord. A, a co-worker that needs to know the Lord. And, and you would call out today and you say, you know what, I do. I, I haven't thought about them in a long time. Because <laughs> I've been busy with my own stuff. You know, I, I've been, you know, taking care of stuff back at the, at the, at the home place. But, but yeah, I know somebody. And that, that person then is, is like Mephibosheth. They, they are hiding out. And they can't come to God or they won't come to God on their own. They have reasons and they have excuses. Mm. You know the difference between a reason and an excuse? I'm glad you asked. It all depends on where you're standing. If you're in the situation, you got reasons. But if you're looking from the outside at someone else, they're just making excuses. Oh, that was better than some people realize, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference between a reason and an excuse is just where you are in proximity to the problem. If you are in the problem, I got reasons for why I can't do what God says to do. I got reasons why I can't do any better than I'm doing. I, I got reasons why I can't get up from here. Everybody else who was on the outside looked at you saying, you know what? That's just a clever excuse. You just make an excuse. Do you realize that it doesn't matter to God if you got a reason or you got an excuse? God is saying, will somebody go get them? Huh? Will, will somebody just go get them? I don't care if it's a reason or an excuse. And I got to tell you, if you're Mephibosheth, you got good reasons. You were dropped since birth, been lame since five, been hiding out from the Philistines and then hiding out from David, and you are living in a place called Lodabar. That just sounds like a bad place. Lodabar means a dry place. You know anybody in a dry place? Lodabar means a place without pasture. It means that there used to be grass, but it dried up. And now there's nothing. There's just nothing. And I'm wondering if there's somebody here that is like Mephibosheth, and you would say, you know what? I got some stuff that happened when I was a child, and it's kept me from God ever since. If there's anybody in the room or somebody you know that would say, you know what? I've had some bad things happen to me, and I think it's because of the king. not uncommon for people to blame God for where they're at. It's not uncommon for people to blame God, even when they are where they're at because of their own. Because of their own. Yeah. It's not uncommon that somebody would come today and you say, Ooh, I showed up and I'm in a dry place. I'm just in a bad place. And what does the king say to Ziba? He says, Ziba, go get them. Go get them. Go get them and bring them out of that place. And I want to tell you today that if you're a child of God, a servant of the, the Most High God, that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, if you know someone like that, I want to show my kindness to them. I'm looking for someone 
to pour out my kindness to. Will you go get them? Let's keep reading. Still in chapter 9, verse 6. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, isn't it a beautiful thing to realize that God knows your name? Isn't it amazing when you're walking through life and you don't think that God knows your name, that he doesn't know your situation, and then something happens and you're like, oh, he knows me. Like, he sent for me and he knew that I was in Lodabar. I didn't think he knew. I didn't know he knew that I was in this dry and this desperate place, and yet he, he sent someone. God knows me. Oh, he called him by his name, and he said, Here is your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. Oh, so many people afraid to come to God, needing someone to say to them, Look, you don't have to be afraid. God's been looking for you. God's been searching all over trying to find you, to pour out his love on you. He said, I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. And again, he prostrated himself and he said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Can you imagine Mephibosheth coming, not knowing why he's been called? Because I'm just sure that David told Ziba, now don't tell him why I'm sending for him. I want to tell him myself. You just go get him. And, and, he, and he's there, and David says, I'm going to restore everything to you. And you can't help at that point to go, who am I? Who am I that you would show kindness to me? Who am I that you would know where I'm at? And that you would come get me. And that you would offer me a place at the table. He offers him two things. He says, I'm going to restore all the land of Saul. All that he had. I'm just thinking Saul had some acres. I'm thinking Saul had some acres. And he said, you know what, Mephibosheth? All that's yours. What? And then he slips something in at the end. He says, oh, and by the way, you see this table right here? This is, this is where my family eats. This is, this is where my daughter Tamar eats. This is where my, my son Abnon eats. This is where my son Adonijah eats. This is where my son, I bet you know this one, Solomon. This is the table that Solomon eats at. Oh, and by the way, Mephibosheth, you see this one right here, Mephibosheth? That one's empty because we've been waiting for you. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? He said, that one right there that's empty, that one's yours because we've been waiting for you. Now, if you're Mephibosheth, you're sitting there thinking, "Mm, I don't have any place there. I got no business being up there at the king's table. If you just knew who I was and what I had been through, and I'm not like old so-and-so, and I'm not like that person. You see, the king has his family at the table. 
He's probably got Joab, the leader of the military there. He's got military advisors. The smartest people in the land are up there. And you look at them. They're smart and they're talented and they're wealthy. And you go, I don't belong there. And I'm not the king's son. But what the king was offering was adoption. The king was offering adoption. He said, I'm, I'm adopting you because, you see, I had a covenant with your father, Jonathan, and I'm fulfilling the covenant. I came and got you, and I'm adopting you as my very own son. There is a place for you, not because how smart you are, and not how talented you are. It is not what you can do for me. I have put this seat here because of love and mercy. <laughs> you... You belong here because you're a demonstration of my love. This chair is not about you. This chair is about the king that made the seats. Yeah, this is not about what you've done or what you haven't done. This seat is about the mercy of God and the grace of God and the loving kindness of God. You belong there. Why? Somebody say, why do you get to go up there? Why do you belong in the family of God? You say, because he loves me. Oh, oh, and guess what? He sent me to you because he wants you to know, you know what? He loves you too. And there's a seat for you up here too. I think Mephibosheth had a choice though. I don't think he had to sit there. Everywhere I look in Scripture, it doesn't see that it was mandated that he had to sit at the table, that he had to eat there every day. David said, you come and you eat there as often as you want. You eat regularly there. He didn't say it was a mandate. Mephibosheth had a choice. Do you know that when God gets you, when he comes and gets you, you have a choice if you want to stay and eat or not? Yeah. Yeah, I think so many times, man, we'll walk away from the table and we'll be like, you know what? I don't know why God hadn't come and got me. Well, he did come and get you and he's got a seat for you. What more do you want? Do you need a personal invitation every day to go? Oh, by the way, in case you forgot today, you're invited to the table. (laughs) At some point. You have to realize, like all the sons and the daughters, is that when dinner time comes and they ring the dinner bell, they don't have to come and call my name. I know I'm welcome there. At some point, you got to know you're welcome and quit having to have so many people come and get you. Hmm. Hmm. God says, I'm going to restore to you your inheritance. And if I'm a Mephibosheth, I'm sitting there thinking, ooh, Grandpa had a lot of land. Mm, that sound, that's a lot better than Lodabar. <laughs> Where nothing would grow. Mm. And then he said, oh, by the way, Mephibosheth, I know that you're lame in both feet, so I know you can't tend to the land. So Ziba and all his sons, the servants, they're going to till the land for you. Say what? Yeah, Mephibosheth, I know you can't work it, so Ziba's going to work it for you. And all your family can eat off of what comes off the land. Wow. But Mephibosheth, you have a seat at the table. And I'm just wondering, what do you prefer more? Do you prefer the blessings of God more than you prefer the seat at the table? 
when you pray, are you praying about the fields and the income and getting by and surviving? Or are your prayers centered around the fact, God, I'm just so thankful that I've got a place at the table. God, I'm so thankful that you have provided. <laughs> Do you realize that you are where you are today because God provided everything to get you there? Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes we forget that and we wonder how the crops are going to get in. <laughs> and if you're sitting there and you're David and you're like, where's Mephibosheth today? And they'd be like, well, you know, he got a little concerned that maybe all the crops couldn't get in. So he's out working the crops today. Can you imagine what the king would say? He's what? He's working the crops. I didn't send Zeba out there. They're going to work the crops for him. Why is he worried about the crops? Oh, child of God, <laughs> son and daughter of God, why are you still worried about the crops? God's going to take care of the crops. Just come sit at the table. Because hmm? <laughs> I tell you what, your confidence will build from God, not by out there working in the field, but by sitting at the table. If you'll sit at the table, you'll be amazed at how the crops will get in. You'll be amazed at how things will get taken care of. Which one do you desire most? Are you still trying to work crops that God said, I will provide everything you need? You just follow me. Or do you wake up every day and say, I just got to get to the table. I just want to get to the table. Just be with the king, the one who adopted me. Let's keep reading. This is what Mephibosheth decided. Chapter 9, verse 13. And so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Oh, by the way, it's almost like, just in case you forgot, yeah, he's still lame. He, he's the guy that's lame in, in both feet. He, he sits at the table. Mephibosheth has a place at the table, and it is secure, and he has realized that the best place to be is in this seat. He is secure there. He can walk right up and Tamar is there and Adonijah is there and Solomon is there. And he sits right down and he looks at Solomon and he says, how's it going? <laughs> Bro. Because <laughs> I'm adopted. Because I'm adopted. And he sits right down and he doesn't worry a thing about being lame. And he doesn't worry about his talent or any of those things. He just knows that he's there because he's got a seat at the table. But I don't think he did that the very first time that he sat there. I think the first time he went, he probably walked over and he went, this is awkward. And I bet he sat down and he was like, I don't really know what to do at the king's table. It's kind of like the first time I, I went on a date. Pastor D would, uh, over at Brantley's house. See, I grew up in Lodabar. Little, little place called Blackstock. Grew up in Blackstock and, and uh, moved to a big city going to dinner with my, uh, my girlfriend. And walked in and here's this table and uh, they had like cloth napkins. And they had a couple of forks and some spoons and knives, and they were sort of all over the, the plate. 
And if my mother-in-law was trying to impress me, she didn't. She made me extremely nervous. And I was extremely awkward. But I'm not the dumbest guy in the world. And so I sat down as awkward as it was. And I said, okay, I'm just going to grab what I see somebody else grab. So I'm like scanning the table for whatever somebody's going to pick up first and try to pick it up. Your first time in the family is a little bit awkward sometimes. I don't know if you remember back to the first time that you walked into the family of God and maybe you hadn't been there in a while or maybe you hadn't been at all and it was your first time, let's just say, in church. I I think this thing applies two ways. One, I believe it applies to your personal relationship with God that there is always a seat at the table. I also believe that it applies to the family of God, the church, because we are the sons and daughters of God. And there is a table here at Ember, and it extends to every church down the street and across the state and around the world. Yeah. So if you're listening, you keep listening. And if you ever want to come, you're invited. And if you go somewhere else, that's cool because there's a table there too. And you're welcome there. But your first time in a place, you look around and you go, oh, this is awkward, right? There's just no way around it because you ain't been there before. And you don't know exactly what it's like. And, and, and so it's a little bit awkward and you feel a little bit insecure. And that's why as a church family, we have to do everything that we can to be one of those sons and daughters of God that says, Hey, Mephibosheth, come on and sit beside me. And let me show you how this works. Yeah. And, and Mephibosheth, I tell you what, don't, don't come and, and sit by yourself today. Come and sit at the table beside me. And let me, let me just help you through this thing so you don't feel uncomfortable. And, and so I, I want you to know that if you're at a place where you want to come back to God, that you're going to have to fight through that awkwardness. And, and that's that place where the devil will tell you some stuff. Like he'll say, I don't know why you went down there or you went over there or you went over there. Because you know, they don't care nothing about you. Yeah. You know, here, here's what I've, I've found a lot of times. Is that church is made up of just normal human beings. Just normal folks. And most people are coming to the table and they feel a little awkward too. Just about everybody in the room, if you were honest, you come to the table today and you feel a little bit awkward because you think, you know what? There are people that know the Bible better than me. There are people been in church longer than me. People more talented than me. They seem like they're closer to God than me. Yeah, but that don't have anything to do with your seat. (laughs) That has nothing to do with your seat. This seat is yours because the king wanted to show you favor. (laughs) Hmm. And And he's still lame. There's actually no seat like this back in Israel. You know that? That's out of context. Don't hold that against me. In in Israel, they recline at the table. They lean on the left. You probably can't see me. They, they lean on their left arm and they eat with their right hand and their feet are back this way. And if you can just imagine if we're turned out this way, B, come on, you young enough, get, get over here behind me. <laughs> got to get somebody young because we got to get back up. Come on behind me over here and recline at this table that's right here. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, so we recline, and this is, this is Solomon, because obviously he's smarter than me. So this is Solomon, and I'm Mephibosheth, and I'm lame, and he's not. But if you just walked into the room, can you tell which one of us is lame? Isn't it amazing how the table of God can cover up your weaknesses? Oh, how the table of God can cover up your past and your sin and your shame and all those things that you think makes you peculiar and makes you weird and makes you strange and makes you not fit in. Oh, when you just pull up to the table like me and Solomon here, you can't tell the difference. Yeah? Yeah. Can you do it? You need a hand. (laughs) I think the... I think the table of God represents the blood of Jesus, that when we are covered by the blood of Jesus, you no longer see your sin, you no longer see your shame, you no longer see your past. Why? Because what does Colossians say? He took that certificate of debt that was against us, and he canceled it, and he nailed it to the cross, and he covered it in his blood. So when you sit at the table, they're like, who's lame? Who's lame? Everybody looks fine to me. Everybody's in good shape. So I want to give you an invitation. I want to invite everybody that's in the room. That if you are forsaken fellowship with God, I want to invite you back to the table to remind you that you have a seat. God sent me today and he said he wants to pour out his favor on you. He wants to pour out his love and kindness on you. He's been looking for someone. Oh, and guess what? The Holy Spirit inspired you to come today. Ain't that convenient? (laughs) he sent for you you're not here by accident if you're listening today there's no accident you're watching today he sent you Amy come on up here I sent for you come on up here Amy's going to play in a moment I just want to remind you of something when you leave you look at somebody like Amy and go ahead and have a seat that's your seat you look at someone like Amy and, and you say man she plays the keyboard and she sings and obviously she has a place at the table went to washington just got back went and played and worshiped there at what david's tent isn't that nice david's tent that's appropriate for today a great administrator boy can administrate like you ain't ever seen (laughs) but that ain't why she's got a seat and if you think that's why you have a seat then you'll live a Christian life of striving. Always trying to please God. Always trying to be enough. Maybe I didn't play good enough today. Maybe I didn't sing good enough today. Maybe I could have administrated that thing better today. You see, you can't ever fulfill your purpose in life if you don't know your place in life. Yeah, so you can't fulfill your purpose in life if you don't know your place in life because I assume that if if Amy lives long enough, there'll be a day where she can't play the keyboard like she used to play and maybe won't be able to sing like she used to sing and maybe won't even want to administrate anymore. She's like, I'm tired of fooling with you. And, And the question then is, well, do I still belong? Do I still have a place? And I will tell you, I don't know about any other house, but I can tell you at this house, you're going to have a place. And I don't care how far you run off. If we can come and get you, we'll run, get you, and bring you back. Yeah? And it doesn't matter how old you get and you say, but I done got a little too old to do stuff. It doesn't matter. At that age, we wasn't looking for you to do much. Just pray and love and just be who you are. Fifth ship, have a seat at the table. Now, Amy's going to go play. 
And I got one person for you today. Raven, come on up here. There's a young man that sits at the back. And I don't know if you see him or not. But (laughs) Raven is in the chair. You coming up? Come on here. You need you need a seat at the table. Come on, get your seat. Welcome home. Wow. I planned that one. I didn't plan this one. I guess the Holy Spirit did that one, right? Welcome home. Come on up here. Let me slide this out of the way. Raven, you pull over here right beside. You're Raven too. There's two Ravens. There's two Ravens. (laughs) Wow, God. I'm I'm out of sorts now. (laughs) Yay, God. (laughs) So this this young man right here lives over the apartments. If I was running, I'd say that's a quarter of a mile, but it's probably an eighth of a mile. But anyway, it's too far for me to, to get along. But do you know that every Sunday, Raven drives his wheelchair over. He crosses traffic. He crosses traffic. He's got his bodyguard, Mark. Mark, you ought to come on up here too. This is his bodyguard. Mark walks. Raven drives. And I, I told Raven, I said, Raven, I said, you bless my heart. Raven may wonder if he's got a, a purpose or not, because he's a little bit like Mephibosheth. I asked him, I said, Raven, how long have you been in a, in a chair? He said, most of my life. And, and if you ever, young man, doubt what your place is in the, the family of God, <laughs> it is to encourage a pastor named Kevin Taylor. Who I got to tell you, if you've been a pastor through this COVID thing, it's been a little tough watching your sheep get scattered all over the country and you can't even figure out where they're at. But he would wheel himself over in a wheelchair. <laughs> and I said, you know what? If I only preach to Raven, I'm going to get up and go preach. So, young man, you encourage me every morning to get up because I know that if Raven can get up and get dressed and get over here to be part of the family of God, that Mark can, that I can. Yeah. And now we have this Raven. Who there's a seat for you and a place at the family of God. And then I'm going to give one more. Baron, can you slide that Bible out of the way for this morning? I think I need to get that side. One side moves and one side doesn't. Ah, this is nice. I don't, I'm running out of tears. That's great. But you know what? There's always room. There's always room at the table of God. So if you're in this room and you're watching online, there is a place for you at the table of God. You can come anytime you want to. 
you can eat anytime you want to. And we would gladly here at Ember say this is home. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we love you and we receive you. And we count you as our own. And you were part of the family. Why you ask? Because God was looking for somebody to love. And he just decided that he wants to love you.